My name is Owen Walsh, and this is the Brussels Beer City Podcast. Each week, a fascinating Brussels resident invites me, your host, to their favorite Brussels bar, where, over a drink or two, we talk about the importance of the bar to our guest, their relationship to Brussels, what they love, what they hate, and why they couldn't live anywhere else. My guest on today's episode is Michiel van Merven, a journalist and entrepreneur and co-founder of the Brussels food company Cricket, making confectionery using insect protein sourced from crickets grown locally in Brussels. At a central Brussels haunt from his old school days and over a Taras Bulba from local brewery Brasserie de la Seine, Michiel talks about how it took him some time to really feel like a Brussels local, why eating crickets is absurd, surreal, and very much in keeping with Brussels' self-perception, and how suffering through the greyness of Brussels is making him feel more and more like an old man. Listeners to the podcast will notice that we've shifted from a weekly schedule to a bi-weekly schedule, so from this week onwards, expect a Brussels Beer City podcast in your podcast feed every two weeks instead of every week. And with that, let's get talking to Michiel. Michiel, welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, first things first, where are we? We're in Archipel. Um, it's one of uh, the first bars that I got to know when I uh, came and live in Brussels. So actually, I'm from the outskirts of, of Brussels. That's where I grew up. But I went to a high school in Laken. Um, um, and when we were 16, 17 years old, like once in a while, we took the tram to the center, the city center. And this was one of these bars that we would go to on a Friday afternoon, um, 5 p.m., having a beer. Um, and weirdly enough, it's still one of the places I still like going to. Uh, and that's why I like it so much. I think it's uh, one of these typical Brussels live and let live places, you know, like you don't have to act out in a certain way or you don't need a certain way of dressing or you don't need to belong to, um, uh, you don't need to play in a band or, you know, it's, it's this place where literally everyone could walk in. Um, and that's what I like. Nice terrace, um, middle of the pedestrian zone. So let's see how it will evolve because Brussels is changing a lot. So, but yeah, just a very good place. And maybe one, one last thing that I really like about it, it's at night. They close the curtains, um, so you're just sitting here, have a drink, and then at a certain point they close the curtains um, because they want to close, but then the party can keep going on for hours. Uh, it's this kind of place, and uh, I like that. Yeah, it's uh, a very, uh, yeah, place with a lot of good memories. Has it changed much since you were a 16, 17-year-old? Not really, not really. Um, the people... Um, that I see here and that I recognize are a bit older, uh, just like me, but no, not really. It's just the same old kind of, a little bit shabby, a uh, little bit a smelly place, but I like it. And was that what attracted to you when you were drinking here at the very beginning? Um, yeah, we had, we had very low standards. <laughs> so we just walked in where we, where, where, where we could, and uh, this was... A well, this looked like a welcoming place for uh, for teenagers. Um, so, and it's not that I was here very often. Uh, it's just that uh, it's one of these first places. Um, yeah. Um, so you said you're not from Brussels originally. 
No. Um, you're from Merkton, which is just a small village at, just outside of Brussels, actually. Exactly. How did you end up here? Um, yeah, a little bit of a funny story because I have an older sister and she went to high school, which was a lot closer to where my parents lived. But um, a girl um, that was in the same class uh, that I, than I was, um, her mom worked in Brussels and she knew about this school in Laken. And that girl, Rebecca, she asked me to join her um, when we were 12 years old and we were about to uh, choose a new school, a high school. Um, if I wanted to join her to visit this school and to see, uh, yeah, to see what, what, how, how was it like. And we, we, we arrived at the school and I remember walking into the playground area and there was like a huge skateboard ramp. And I was like, whoa, super cool. This is, this is what I want. Uh, this is where I want to go to. And um, I mean, it's, um, yeah, the petite histoire, but actually I still remember it, the, the impact that it got because it looked so cool. And then I told to my parents, yeah, this is cool. I really want to go to Brussels. I really want to go to Laika because it's so cool over there. And um, I think they would have said no because it was too far, but um, coincidence, um, there was a school bus and the last village the school bus would go to was Merichten. So I was literally at the end of, 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 of the whole uh, line um, and, uh, and so it was perfect. Uh, and so I just, uh, for six years, took the school bus uh, and that's, that's, yeah, that's what I did. And that's how I ended up in Brussels. But I, I have to add that it's Brussels, it's Laken, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it was not Brussels at all. It was kind of, it was perfect isolation in a way. So we were all Dutch speaking um, in a neighborhood where, where no one was speaking Dutch. Um, and we would go to Brussels maybe three, four, five times a year, like to the center, mm -hmm. like to go to the theater or... or, or so after six years, um, I had not really the feeling that I knew Brussels or that we were really... Brussels. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was weird. Um, it felt like a small island. But you went away to university to study in Leuven? Uh, to study in Ghent. In Ghent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, Belgium is very small and that was the only place where my parents <laughs> would let me uh, live, live on a cot, as we say here, yeah. uh, on, a, on, a, on a student flat. And was it always too close, so... Was it always the intention to uh, come back to Brussels once you'd finished your studies? Or was that sort of just happy, happy accident? Yeah, that basically that just happened. Uh, after my studies, I, um, well, actually the last two years of my studies, um, uh, I did a master in Argentina and Buenos Aires. And when I moved to Buenos Aires, I was like, yeah, maybe I will stay here. Maybe not. Uh, maybe I will end up in another place, but... Um, and but, but when I came back, uh, I started looking for jobs, uh, maybe Argentina, but then some interesting uh, jobs um, appeared in Brussels. And then I was like, yeah, if I, sh if, I sh if I would go back to Belgium, then it, would, then it should, should be Brussels. Uh, I mean, I love Ghent, uh, but Brussels felt like a new place to, uh, yeah, to discover new things. Ghent is a little bit smaller and I mean, after six, seven years, you got the impression that you really know it. And I was really looking forward to discover Brussels yeah, yeah. and like dive in, you know, because I've during these six years during high school, I had some first contacts, which kept me, yeah, which left me very curious to, 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 to find out more about it. So, yeah. 
So fast forward a couple of years and you founded your own business now here in Brussels. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about Cricket, yep. uh, what the idea behind it is and mm-hmm. maybe where the inspiration came from. Yeah, so when I started working in Brussels, I, I worked as a journalist and uh, quite uh, fast I got specialized in uh, everything that has to do with food. So food politics, environmental issues, climate, all these, all these things, all these uh, topics. And so one day um, I did an interview with the, the guys from uh, Little, um, Little Food, uh, the cricket farm uh, here in Brussels. And um, I really liked the project. I really liked uh, the idea of promoting insects uh, as an alternative protein source. Um, the only thing that got me frustrated was that um, uh, they were really having a hard time uh, selling their products. Um, so they were engineers so they they knew quite quickly how to grow a cricket mm-hmm. um, uh, so they were experts in growing crickets but they were not too good in selling crickets so what does it mean to be an expert in growing crickets I mean it's something totally new there is uh, yeah I mean for example in Thailand everyone knows how to grow crickets because um, uh, it's it's quite mainstream over there but here it's it's totally new um, so they literally had to find out what would the perfect uh, or a perfectly balanced diet, a uh, cricket diet. Uh, how how would it look like? Um, what would be the right temperature? Um, you know, like diseases, all the all this kind of stuff. So they got so focused on on growing the crickets, and that's a big challenge. Uh, um, but selling the crickets was really tough for them. And so I left the interview, and I, and I I was a little bit frustrated. Like, how could it be that so many people more and more are looking for alternative proteins on one hand and on the other hand you have this amazing very efficient uh, very nutritious protein source why is it that there has there hasn't been any product that succeeded to 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 yeah to to find a good product yeah. market fit and so that was a challenge uh, so all right let's try to create a product that really combines these two that brings these two things together and uh, so I started with my sister uh, we did a crowdfunding on a Brussels platform grow funding just to see if there would be some traction you know what the feedback would be like mm-hmm. um, it gave us the opportunity to go out of the building to go to festivals little markets you know to do some samplings to talk to people get some feedback on the recipe and how was the feedback um, pretty good um, I remember uh, the, the, f- the first days we had two prototypes one with visible crickets and the other one with cricket flour so uh, dried and then ground crickets did you have a preference at that time already or well, did you mind I had, I, had, I had a gut feeling that ground crickets like invisible crickets w- would be a better option uh, for me at least um, and yeah it turned out that I was not the only one um, so yeah we did this kind of small experiments. Um, we raised some money, obviously, because that was also the goal, to raise some money. And then we started product development. So now we're talking 2018. Um, we launched a bar end of 2018. Um, yeah, we started distributing to some Brussels mm-hmm. stores, like organic stores, concept stores, Horeca even, like coffee shops, these yeah. kind of places. Yeah, and that's where it, where it took off. And what was, how long did it take you guys to sort of make a breakthrough? What kind of, like, because as you said, you're the first people in the city to be doing this sort of thing. Now, people in Brussels are generally quite loyal to Brussels brands, but still, Mm -hmm. 
a bar made with cricket powder is sort of there's a there's a there's a barrier to entry there maybe that you mm-hmm. needed to overcome how long you've been doing it now two years how long did you feel like really you were making a breakthrough yeah um well i think um from the beginning we felt that that people liked the idea um and i think um might be a little bit of a brussels thing uh, to say but um there is i mean eating crickets to a certain degree is, is kind of surrealist you know like why <laughs> why would you eat crickets you know it's this kind of thing that is a little bit absurd and i think uh people like that from the start like mm-hmm. that weird idea especially because it's not only weird it's also kind of smart um, because it's sustainable and healthy mm-hmm. um then there is also this growing sense of uh, a brussels identity like I feel that it's really growing um, over the past, let's say, 10 or 20 years. Mm-hmm. People become more and more proud. There is this, yeah, there is this feel, feeling of, of belonging to a certain Brussels vibe. Yeah. Um, and people liked it, liked the idea of, of the Brussels, uh, of the crickets being from Brussels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so your, your crickets are actually like, they speak French and Dutch, like <laughs> all these kind of jokes. Brussels, people like that. Um, yeah. and, and also, food is huge in brussels like um i mean everywhere you go everyone you talk to everyone has his own places uh, i feel like brussels is a really open-minded uh, food hub um, yeah a lot is happening in food here um i mean not only restaurants but also food startups um yeah a lot of a lot of food stores um yeah specialty stores so yeah and then the the real breakthrough, I think. So f- at first we had a couple of stores that w- that we were t- we would test and, and and do some samplings, and the, the the real breakthrough was when that first retailer knocked at the door, and um, it was really funny because it's uh, it's a store. It's called Aveve, mm-hmm. and it's the most traditional store you 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 can imagine. Uh, Very familiar uh, to any Belgian listeners. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so this retailer was the first one the big one uh, that wanted to uh, start selling cricket bars Mm -hmm. Um, so that was funny Um, but I think even before the real breakthrough here in Brussels was farm yep and I think that place sums it all up like why um, yeah why why product like ours could work this is really a place where people go to um, are willing to pay a little bit more mm-hmm. for quality for products with a story um, for for sustainable products so this kind of place um, yeah that's a perfect place for us yeah. do you think that this is a kind of project that you could only have done in Brussels in Belgium we're talking about now mm-hmm. well I think maybe I would I, I should say yes actually because Belgium was one of the first countries that legalized eating insects um, <laughs> literally um, so even today we're still waiting um, for a European uh, decision on a European level mm-hmm. to uh, allow crickets on the European food market um, but on a country level you can already say like alright yeah we, we won't wait for Europe for us it's okay mm-hmm. and so Belgium did that and they were I think literally the first country in Europe in 2013 and so some other countries allowed it as well afterwards, mm-hmm. like Holland, Germany, uh, some other countries. Um, so from that point of view, Belgium would be the only country <laughs> that, that, I, that I could start uh, the project with. 
um, in these early days. Um, I've, I've, we've, we've done quite a lot of trade fairs, uh, like in Spain, in mm -hmm. Malmö, uh, all over Europe. And you really feel that um, some food cultures are um, way more protective about their heritage than others. Yeah. I mean, uh, you won't be surprised, but Italians, uh, they're quite proud of what they achieved in terms of, uh, in terms of food culture. So they're like, why should we add something so weird mm -hmm. to something that is already so established and, 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 and so, uh, yeah. So Belgium is an open culture. Yeah. Uh, and we're not only talking about food, but in general, Belgians are, are a little bit more open-minded, um, less centri centric about themselves. Yeah, about yeah. themselves. And so that's definitely a good thing uh, if you want to launch something totally new um, something innovative mm -hmm. um, to have an open-minded audience that's definitely a, a good thing so there is legislation there is mentality and then there is also um, willingness to pay mm -hmm. so for example if I go to trade fairs in Germany Germans they have a lot of money but they won't spend less money on food than we do we are I mean yeah, uh, we are like bon vivant, that's mm -hmm. a cliche, but it, I think we really are. Like yeah. stores like, for example, Deleuze, like premium retailers, like if you look at the prices, if you look at the prices of all the organic stores, the specialty stores, even not only organic, but just the specialty stores that still survive here in Brussels, yeah. like to buy good cheese, you know, like good wine, all these stores, like people love to pay for good food. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's a third reason why this is a good place for, for, for young brands uh, yeah. Yeah, to launch their products. Um, circling back, you, well, we're sitting here in the center of the pedestrian district and your office, Cricket's office, is just around the corner. When you're not hanging out at places like Archipel, you said, you know, Brussels is a great place for food, for going out, for eating. Where do you like to hang out? Mm -hmm. There are a couple of places I like to hang out. Um, I think firstly, I really like to be outside, to be outside in Brussels. So mm -hmm. I really, I always use my bike. Yeah. So what I try to do is to always look for a new route, to just discover new roads, uh, new uh, neighborhoods. Um, I live very close to the Gare du Midi. Mm -hmm. and what I really like to do, um, starting from May, April, when 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 spring is coming, just cycle up to uh, uh, the. Uh, Park van Vorst uh, mm -hmm. uh, or Dudenpark. Yeah. Um, amazing place. Um, that's where I really like to be. And then maybe even go further, like even push it further to La Cambre or uh, sometimes on summer days, like to Zonjewoud. Mm -hmm. um, um, so the outdoors are, are really important. What are places where I really like hanging out uh, in summer? Just take a book, uh, you know, take something to drink and hang out in the park. Um, and then if not, uh, of course, the city center is where I kind of grew up. Um, so there are all these places over here, nice places to eat, uh, nice bars, uh, places to sit outside. Um, yeah, I mean, the typical places uh, <laughs> like St. Catherine, um, Wiesmarkt, all these places, uh, Vlaamse Steenweg. Uh, I think all of these places are places where I still like to go. Mm -hmm. um, Is it hard being somebody who enjoys the outdoors to live in the hyper center of Brussels? Because you live, as you said, close to Garden Midi in Anderlecht. It's not exactly a, a green area. 
No. Um, quite congested. Mm-hmm. Is do you find that difficult? Yeah, sometimes uh, I do. Yeah, and actually, uh, the older I get, the more, <laughs> <laughs> the more that I suffer from the greatness. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's true. Like uh, I, I remember when I arrived here, like it didn't matter. Like the noise in the streets and uh, you know, like the the, the cars uh, almost killing you in traffic, and, and you know, I just I didn't see all all of that. But now. I start to um, yeah I th- yeah I'm just I think I get a li- getting a little bit old but uh, yeah um, I miss I miss um, if like if I would put it like this if I would choose another place to live before doesn't even matter it's just a place that counts like my my room and how big it is or, yeah, you know yeah. but now that that's something that's really becoming more and more important uh, so I don't have any kids yet but. Uh, I could not imagine raising kids in, in the, pl- the place where I live. It's just a little bit too much. It's just a little bit too intense. So, yeah. uh, but but on on the good side, Brussels is is kind of a big city, but it's not enormous either. So yeah. you could, for example, where I live, um, when I take my bike, I go to the canal, and I just follow it, and after 10, 15 minutes, you're already in the greens. So. Mm. I mean, it's not like living in Paris or London where, no. uh, yeah, there is only concrete. <laughs> um, I mean, you said you're a cyclist. I'm also a cyclist. Um, I'm always interested to know, you know, you said, you know, there's lots of positives. What, what, what is the thing that drives you most mad mm-hmm. about living in Brussels? Well, yeah, traffic is a big one. Uh, I mean, riding your bike, it's, it's quite obvious. Um, yeah, it's getting better. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're um, y- you could easily compare it. Um, for five years, I did the same route with my bike, and then the first year, I was always alone, mm-hmm. standing in front of uh, uh, traffic lights. And then after five years, sometimes we were two or even three or four uh, in the morning. So, I mean, it's growing, but it, mm, yeah, I mean, f- a little bit faster would be nice. <laughs> uh, and especially when it comes to infrastructure, you know, yeah. like bike lanes. Um, and, 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 and the mentality of, of, of car drivers, still so many drivers have this idea of just like, get out of my way. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, you don't belong here. And so, yeah, uh, I mean, I've been lucky that... Um, You've never had an accident? No, not, not, not something very serious so mm-hmm. far. But I do know some people uh, who, yeah, uh, who had an accident that was a little bit... Uh, um, worse than, than the things that, that happened to me. So mm-hmm. traffic is, ugh, yeah. And I mean, can get really noisy. People start honking like after a millisecond. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just if you go to other places sometimes, like uh, last week I was in, uh, in Köln and it's uh, as big as Brussels actually, it's yeah. even a little bit bigger. But I don't know, they just have more plays and so streets are a little bit bigger and so on, but it, it never feels so intense as it feels in Brussels. So I think the intensity of traffic is something that's getting, that, that is getting to me more, uh, yeah. more than it did, did, did before. You are starting to yeah. sound like an old man now, <laughs> but I empathize. I feel like as a cyclist in Brussels, you have to be so concentrated and mm-hmm. so focused yeah. the whole time that yeah. it's just, it can get exhausting. And if you're not committed to doing it, I can understand why you never would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also sometimes it, it's a little bit dirty. Like that's <laughs> also something that I, I didn't bother when I, when, I, when I arrived here. But now more and more I'm like, come on, guys. I mean, 
what is this? Like, yeah. just take your shit with you and yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're looking outside. I want to sound grumpy, but yeah, the, uh, the view outside the window is uh, it's it's not the most uh, it's not the most inspiring, you know. Mm-hmm. No, but also it's a, a symbolic view because it's an old building and it's going to be. Um, I think they're they're going to uh, renovate the whole mm-hmm. thing. And so that's what I also see in Brussels. That's why I always will be uh, optimistic about Brussels yeah. because now I sound like an old grumpy man, but um, I'm not. <laughs> um, I actually, I'm I'm, uh, I'm 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 very optimistic also about Brussels, and lots of things are changing. Mm-hmm. I think w- we don't always realize how fast things are changing because we're very, um, yeah, maybe we're impatient and also we're uh, following these evolutions and these new things from very close by. So. Yeah. It seems slow, but I think it's not. Yeah, uh, I think we're catching up quite fast. And is that what keeps you in Brussels? You know, what makes you happy to be living here? Yeah, what what what, what keeps me happy is that um, there is um, yeah a sense of progress, mm-hmm. and I really like that. Um, there is optimism also on a political level. Like lots of things could have could could be said about politics in Brussels, but I think um, yeah. There is definitely something, uh, something inspiring happening. Um, like lots of people who are in charge, char- charge, sorry, realize what the real challenges are. And um, there is, of course, still this old poli- political style in Brussels, uh, the visa papa, and, and you know, mm-hmm. like the clientele, the clientelism. But I think it's improving, and I see yeah. a lot of young people in politics um, that are really serious about it. So that's that's what what keeps me in Brussels. Um, is that something you and, would and ever also be? And also my friends, obviously. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, by now you already have um, a lot of uh, people you know and you like uh, living in the same city. Um, I mean, as long as when I'm traveling and when I'm coming back and I have this warm feeling inside, <laughs> like, oh yeah, uh, back home. As long as I've got this feeling, I'll stay here, I think. Yeah. And uh, I mean, quite often... It comes up when I'm talking to my girlfriend, like, hey, wouldn't it be nice to live in another place, like, just for a while? We might do that. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe someday we'll, we'll, we'll move to another place. But um, I think Brussels more and more feels like the place that where we always come back to. Yeah. yeah. And when you sort of daydream about where else you might live, I mean, you talked about living in Argentina in the past. Mm-hmm. What, if you weren't living here, where would you send yourself? Um, yeah, good question. Um, I'm really into Latin America uh, because, well, yeah, I've lived there and, I've, mm-hmm. and I studied there and I got a lot of friends over there. Um, I love, like, I studied <coughs> Spanish uh, and, of course, after I lived there, my Spanish got quite quite good. So I love speaking Spanish and, um, and, and, and yeah, Spanish-speaking culture. So that would be something that would be very logical. Mm-hmm. But I also like to push my comfort zone um so yeah i mean i'm open for anything i think as long as um the challenge is there or or there is a nice project or Mm -hmm. a a good purpose um yeah i'm 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 open to uh to anything like i'd really like to connect to people so i think if i wouldn't speak the language that would be difficult for me so moving to place where you can only speak with five expats you know (laughs) that's quite a depressing idea for me um but yeah i mean yeah you never know yeah so um this is a this is a podcast of a beer website Mm -hmm. you're drinking a taras bulba 
why are you what, why are you drinking a Taras Bulba? What, what, why did you pick this from the menu? Uh huh. Um, yeah, I really like it. I really like it. I like basically everything that the Brasserie de la Seine is doing. Um, for me, I mean, for me, this is this is really this is Brussels. Like this taste, um, uh, all of the beers they're doing actually, yeah. they're, they're they're different, um, and and you can tell straight away uh, that you're drinking that something a little bit different. Uh, I really like that. Um, I, I started drinking beer quite late, like uh, <laughs> no, uh, seriously. And, and and the first beers that I had were um, always sweeter beers, yeah. because of course they're more accessible. Yeah. But now more than ever, I really like this this these special flavors a little bit. Yeah, sometimes a little bit uh, challenging, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, not not too accessible in the mouth. But yeah, I really like it. And also, I guess I like. That it's a, a nice, a nice beer from Brussels. Uh, I think that's important. But I also, I should add that if they would have um, Lanterne from mm-hmm. L'Hermitage on the menu, that's my favorite one right now. Actually, I'm, I'm lately I'm, I'm having a lot of uh, Lanterne when I w- when it's on the menu. I yeah. would go for a Lanterne. I'd, they're basically neighbors. They're I was just going to three hundred meters <laughs> from the place where I live. Um, yeah, so. Uh, that, that, that would be my favorite but Taras Bulba yeah that's uh, I think for me it's already a classic classic yeah. one um, so what's next for you and what's next for cricket then um, uh, very happy that um, so I told you that my sister co-founded cricket um, but she kept her job because uh, we were not selling enough bars to pay to people <laughs> <laughs> but um, now we kind of are well mm-hmm. um, so she's joining the team looking forward to not being alone anymore um, and there will be a third person a French-speaking person who will start working a little bit on the French market um, and even Wallonia um, so uh, so yeah looking forward to work in a team uh, <laughs> because I've been doing this on my own so far well some freelancers once in a while but um, so looking forward to, um, to, to work as a team and um, we're, we'll be launching granolas, cricket granolas, uh, quite soon. In a couple of months, they'll be on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to keep on developing new products. Um, there are quite a lot of interesting collaborations in the pipeline, uh, working with new retailers, new clients, new kind of customers. So really looking forward to, uh, to work with people who are eager to push insects to a mainstream audience mm-hmm. um, so because that's what we're all about um, so yeah uh, 2020 should be a uh, kind of the breakthrough year for us so. and where can people find cricket um, I think the easiest places to buy cricket um, are bioplanet uh, and ice adventure I okay. think uh, these two chains are most well known and mm-hmm. then of course there are a lot of uh, smaller stores if you're living in Brussels or in Wallonia then there are the night and day uh, paper stores libraries um, so yeah um, you can find them over there and online cricket.be yep. we have an online store perfect right rapid fire round this is what we do with all the guests Let's I'm going to ask it. you a series of very quick questions and you have to without thinking give me your answer okay alright Okay, ready to go? Yep. Let's go. Favorite Brussels neighborhood? Uh, Dansart. Place Châtelain, Place Jeux de Bal. Jeux de Bal. Favorite Brussels restaurant? Um, 
this new place, this new pizza place, Marcella. I've, I've been there two weeks ago. It was amazing. Best pizza in my life, literally. Brussels waffles or Liège waffles? Brussels waffles. Uh, favorite Brussels speciality? Ooh, cricket bars. <laughs> <laughs> no, shameless. Wait, wait. shameless. Yeah. yeah, shameless, I know. Uh, beer, Contillon, hands down. Truffles or pralines? Truffles. Favorite Brussels celebrity? Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> no way, no way. Eddie Maddox, really. Uh, he's from Brussels, right? I mean, he's from Brussels. Officially, yeah. officially, I know he's very close to Brussels, but officially he's from Brussels. Yes. Well, then it's Eddie. Then there is the one and only. <laughs> um, favorite Brussels beer? I think we know the answer to that. Yeah, Lanterne. Perfect. Michiel, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. And that's all for today's episode of the Brussels Beer City Podcast. Thanks again to my wonderful guest, to all my listeners, and a special shout-out as usual to the excellent illustrators I've worked with on this season of the Brussels Beer City Podcast. Julian Kremer, a.k.a. Crump, for the podcast logo, and to Helinda Demarle for this season's wonderful episode artwork. Check them out on Instagram. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do consider leaving a rating and a review. If you want to get in touch, you can email me at owen at beercity.brussels or you can find out more information about me and the podcast at www.beercity.brussels podcast. But until the next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>